Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web series Quorum of War, written by you, sure I'm not a robot, and taken off Reddit. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. Part 1 The Shant Director of War watched as the last of the enemy ships burned in the vacuous space. He whistled the dirge to himself as he watched the entire species fall. A people too dangerous to be allowed to live amongst the fearful creatures he guarded. His aides and crew stood silently as they awaited his orders. He nodded at his armsmen. We obey, burn their world, and may goddess keep them safe in the next malting. In silence, his ships let loose the worst his people had to offer. Offense against the goddess and the horror to all. The crew watched in silence as missiles approached the blue and white marble hanging in space. The crest widened when the counterfire from the planet managed to destroy so many of his assets. But it was stilled by the knowledge that no planet can defend against an army that holds space. Within moments, his fire began to strike. Cruel nightmares that ignited the atmosphere and shattered the world itself. In less than an hour, the fiery inferno and dust storms had wiped the planet clean of five billion years of history and rendered it to bedrock. Out of the flames, a hiss against the rage of a burning world came in transmission. He was ready to ignore it as just another pointless plea for mercy until it called his name. Director of War. Murderer! We are dead, and we will not see our revenge. We have sins that you never saw, evils we hid from you and buried in our darkest history. Today we will let them loose upon you and the cowards that sent you like a knife in the dark. You have killed us, so at least we will not be here to answer for our sins. You were afraid. We will show you fear. Something loomed into the transmission. A great creature, a thing of metal. Its eyes were just dark holes and its face was hidden or warped by the armor it wore. We will see you soon, Director. He swore to himself. Of course these lunatics had a weapon. They lived by inflicting death every day. He froze his voice and issued orders as people that he'd never given before. It is not sufficient. I want that planet broken. We will continue to fire. Nothing of these people can be allowed to stand. We remain on full alert until I am certain that nothing remains. His thousand strong fleet... Every ally and co-conspirator paused briefly before resuming fire on the burning planet. It seemed perverse to many of them, beating a ruined corpse that they continued to reign of destruction until the planet itself surrendered as his missiles breached the core itself and returned the planet to a molten blow, glaring at him with hate. He had watched silently as his people added crime to crime, piling evil on evil. One more last and final sin to be done. I want that moon sent into the what remains of the planet. Who knows what they've hidden there? 
As his first weapon struck there, they met with silence. Then the moon seemed to glow an ominous orange that quickly became a dark red. Then the moon shattered into millions of parts, a glittering rain of particles swiftly turning dark in the cold of space. He looked at his armsmen. Was that us? The armsmen looked at the numbers. Director, I have no idea. No, we, we didn't. Uh, I've, I've never used these weapons before. Uh, probably. The director watched as hours passed. As the debris from the moon fell inwards towards the expanding ball of molten rock that had been a planet filled with life, he'd seen enough. He turned to his crew. Stand down and take us home. We have done our duty, and we will probably be cursed for it. But I never want to see this system again. Get us out of here. The director stayed in his cabin and continued writing his reports. So far, eleven of his ships had self-destructed for a mix of reasons, mostly guilt, and some fearing the response of the dead. He knew his own people were not the type, but his allies were, well, gutless. They had destroyed the humans out of fear, and now they had discovered that fear is a deep well with no bottom. Now they were afraid of ghosts, as the humans' last transmission had filtered quietly out to the fleet. A simple transmission. And they were terrified. Fools. Dead is dead, and no one has ever been as dead as the humans. Within the Oort Cloud, surrounding the burning world, the shattered remains of the moon waited for the enemy to leave. It made no attempt to rescue the broken remains of the mining ships that had tried to defend the fallen world. It had other priorities. Slowly, they began building a connection with home, a summons and a report that would bring retribution for a crime. It had sent the warning, and now it would let humanity fall upon its unexpected enemies. Space is dark and always ready to kill you, and soon they would be the face of that darkness. Bar across space, deep in unexplored edges of the spiral arm, a light dimmed and briefly died, then revived with an ominous red color. The AI responsible for monitoring the systems immediately began reporting the loss of a distant colony, and old weapons stirred in their uneasy sleep. Soul Guardian AI alert signal. Quantum Lock Beacon on Colony 30900A has reported an extinction level event, reports of hostile Xena action, and all inhabitants lost. Planet and moon base destroyed. Nanai constructors are currently en route to the local Oort Cloud to prepare a response. Monitoring is ongoing. I recommend a support fleet be deployed. The creature studying the report was vaguely human-shaped, but wreathed in restless metal. A skin that never stopped moving, breaking into obscure patterns as he had absorbed the details. His humanity was still sufficient to allow him to mourn the loss. So many children. So many brave souls that had risked everything to continue the great adventure of the human race. He summoned his peers. This is Commander Silver Wisp. I regret to report that one of our children's planets has been destroyed. It was clearly an attempt at genocide. They must be considered lost. The faces around him were equally strange. 
human, now only in name and the ability to interbreed. The only rule that held to this disparate mutations and alterations together as a people. One allowed tears to roll down her oaken face, staring white eyes peered out from beneath the dusting of green lashes. Who would do such a thing? Did we engage in some hostile act? Silver Wisp shook his head, the baton swirling quickly across his face. They were the first day's colony, seeking out our beginnings on a new world. They took little technology with them, and only the bare minimum of medical adaptation. Even our beacon was exiled to their moon. No threat to any space-bearing race. He softened his voice. The people of the forests were very sentimental, uneasily upset. Especially if you threatened their boreal planets. Ambassador Rowan, we will seek out justice. I called you to ask permission to send a response. One of the other members stirred at that. This one, whose humanity had been adjusted for the ice moons, one of the few types that had almost entirely given up breathing, save for the occasional speech. Commander Wiss waited patiently while the man constructed a painful sentence. Response permitted. The memorial will be built. Ice will sing for the lost. Then he fell silent, apparently exhausted by the effort. Ambassador Rowan's green eyebrows row and fell at that. She had never heard one of the ice dwellers make such a long speech before. Although their strange culture was famed for its ice music, it was entirely instrumental in form. Another voice spoke, one closer to form with the commander, save that its body was painted in what looked like fine mail rather than liquid metal. It was obviously in a gravity-free environment. Permission granted. We must mourn the dead and seek justice. I take it you didn't call me without an actual plan. Commander whisked, nodded. Oh, of course. I intend to take my fleet and see what happened. If I may flatter myself, I am certain that I can obtain justice for our loss and the murder of a world. That created a moment's surprise from the others. The old fleets tended to avoid the far points of human space, reluctant to engage in unprepared Xenos. They were fearsome. Humanity preferred to let the scientists, rovers, explorers, and traders find their way out there. They said that they weren't diplomats. They were the reason for diplomats. Commander Wisp smiled briefly as he looked around. So we are agreed. I will find justice. Each of the council nodded and signed their people's support. A quorum of war was established, and the mission approved. Ambassador Rowan added a final comment. Recover their names, if you can. I will grow them a forest, a silent place for their spirits to rest, if they come home. Fair sailing, Commander. End of chapter. Silver Wisp sat and let his body rejoin the ship, his skin flowing into his seat and console. Applications immediately started flooding in from researchers, the curious, the angry, and the bloodthirsty that wanted to accompany the mission. An old fleet going to a legitimate war on the far edge of human space. This would be a research entertainment opportunity of a lifetime. He checked the social credit of each applicant, cross-checked their references, and issued a hundred passes, out of sheer perversity.
He carefully ensured that none of their personalities would mesh. So, they enjoyed combat. No problem. He sent a note to the Quorum of War that he had assembled the required witnesses and would depart once they arrived. He had a sneaking suspicion, and it wasn't going to be that easy. Ambassador Rowan felt uncomfortable as she approached the Silver Wisp. Common courtesy dictated that the commander was both the man and the ship, and you were expected to acknowledge that. It was truly vast, a gentle, sloping dome that only seemed to expand. She was aware that he'd been constructing it for nearly ten millennia, a labor of love equivalent to her forest domain. A nagging fear of what she had unleashed on the brute Xenos had dragged her from slumber in the soft greens of her home and into the stark metal strangeness. She made a call to the ship and a clipped tones announced, This is Ambassador Rowan, signatory of the Quorum of War, requesting permission to board, as is my right. Silverwisp grinned as he answered, Welcome, Ambassador. Your rooms are prepared. I'll drop by when you are settled in. Her needlecraft was taken under autopilot and interrogated, then pulled deep into the vast craft, liquid metal walls sliding around her. Finally, it was gently deposited in a vast hall, even as the walls were sealed without a sign or mark to indicate a way out. Beautiful and practical, she thought. Her ship unsealed and revealed a forest. She drew in her breath. The sounds and smells of her homeworld filling her lungs, and dappled daylight feeding her now happy leaves. She stared about the tall trees, ancient and real. This was no illusion. This was the work of ages. Why had he grown this? She had no record of her people traveling with him before. She dismissed the why, and just resolved to thank him. Her terror of space receding among such friendly surroundings. In the all cloud around the burning world grew the true dark, the side forever hidden. The beacon was not just a call for help, it was a creature sent to watch, record, and guard. Rarely would it need to take form, even rarer that it would be permitted to revenge. But this time, this terrible time, there would be no leash and no rules, save only one. It was permitted to exact justice from the people that had committed this atrocity. Not the governments, not the civilians, just anyone that stood on a ship or pulled the trigger. Then it had been given the blessing of the Quorum of War. From the ragged and broken rocks it drew what it needed to become the walking nightmare that mankind always knew rested within. Its figure flickered as it tested its camouflage, guns blighted nearby rocks as it refined its techniques. Plasma picked out specks of dirt from dark space as it rehearsed its algorithms. Blades were crafted and blackened, tested against the stone itself. The flickering image it had sent as a warning now became real. A face as cold as space, and a heart as stony as the asteroids it was formed from. As pitiless as the creature that had earned its existence. Beacon raised his face to the universe, fully real for the first time. Filled with the pain of watching those he guarded die. 
as he was held helpless by their rules. The nanites that had carefully pulled him had finished their job and had left a trail for him. Lines bright in the dark for him to follow. With a final message to Silver Wisp, he resigned from the human race and went to work. He wrapped the dark around him and left his failed post for the last time, carrying only weapons and vengeance onwards. The Sean Council was as miserable as he expected. There would be no heroic welcome for his bloody work. Just a sickening feeling that the nation, his nation, had soiled itself in the name of some nebulous sphere. A planet-bound species melted into flaming rock. A few miners burned from the sky. This was not a story they wished to hear nor recount. Still, recounted he must. Cancel on your orders, I have destroyed the uncontacted race that called themselves human since they were in no position to do much more than throw a few rocks at us, we suffered no casualties. He allowed the silence to draw out. One of the council shifted uncomfortably and began. We gave you those orders because the race was perverse. It could not be allowed into space. A murmur of agreement came from his colleagues. Indeed, it was at the insistence of our allies. It would have been political suicide to refuse. The director of war nodded. Indeed, how could we bear the shame of not committing genocide and annihilating a race that was so very different from those that we understand? Those spears looked very sharp, and those miners were quite difficult to kill. Thankfully, you gave me a thousand ships to do it. He slowly peeled his rank from his shell and dropped it on the floor. I believe the galaxy must be free of all threats now, since you sent me against such a terrifying opposition. I hereby resign. Perhaps the goddess will forgive us. She tends to do that. I don't. He turned, and his rank was crushed into the floor as his curt glance at the armsman to open the door. The council watched him leave, more than one of them feeling the same. Sensing the mood, the chairman snapped. We all agreed. We all read the same damned reports. A race that hunts has no bads. A race that eats prey, hunts as a pack, and yet maintains the technology that can build ships to harvest resources in its system. Never could we allow it to reach us. You saw the same projections. It would be here in a generation, and we would not be able to stand against it. It was but the egg of a nightmare, a thing best destroyed and forgotten. He stood up. In any case... It is a thing done. Pity them and those we called on to do it, but it is over. The council is dismissed. One of the council, not willing to be dismissed so easily, held up a copy of the warning sent from the beacon that they had officially ignored. Is it? The speaking stick was banged down with an unnecessary force as the council was dismissed. The question was left to linger in the air. The Alliance learned that while fear is a small thing, that ghosts are a children's tale best told in the dark, and that there are many monsters that quickly become friends. Sometimes, the true dark gets closer. The genocide had quickly become a silent shame, the threat of revenge a slow beat in the creatures that had ordered the deaths of many. Questions were murmured, sometimes to an empty room. What 
had I done to be so destroyed? Hidden was the unvoiced fear that perhaps it could happen to them. The clips of the fleet melting the world into molten rock, of destruction of the moon over an offense never even declared or understood. They'd been given no reason but their very existence and died for it. Others delighted in the victory, the death of a cancer, the destruction of a threat unseen and dealt with quickly. How many would have died if the humans had reached space? From out of the dark, Beacon followed the fading path laid by nanites. A shipyard loomed ahead of him, the obvious destination for whatever ship he had followed. He had no information yet. He slowed his approach, wasting a day to stay out of sight of any senses, and then drifted gently into what seemed to be a normal approach to the stations. He left his senses on passive, hunting the right ships, and then making his plans. At the shipyard, the mood was grim, as they returned to sullen silence and strange rumors. The announcement that the director of war had resigned sent another message to the old hands on his ships. More than one put down his tools and walked off the ships, throwing their military identification into deep space. They had heard the threat, and they knew what they had done. The nights seemed darker, the worlds smaller than before. Beacon landed softly on a ship. He was waiting for confirmation before he acted, but he recognized it. This one had fired eight million kilotons of ordnance at his planet. He drew his primary blade and prepared to meet the destroyers of all that he had been sent to guard. Blood for blood. He wanted names because they had never asked. He wanted to remember because they tempered his rage. They had killed the nameless, but he wouldn't. No, he would kill the known and wear their skin as a trophy. A simple torn panel, and he dropped silently inside. End of chapter. Beacon found himself in a dark vent, hearing only the hiss of chilled gas sweeping through the pipes. He inhaled a deep breath and analyzed it. Oxygen was running at nearly 30%. He chewed through the numbers, running estimates on what that could mean. On Terra, that would indicate large-scale creatures or some seriously inefficient design. Gravity was around 0.7, so... It could be both. He would investigate when he had a sample. Time to begin. He punched a hole through the vent and dropped the three meters to the floor. A quick scan found several doors nearby. One with what passed for security around here. He didn't bother with the camera, merely moving with his hunting pace. The door was some composite metal, useless against him, but sufficient to block any audio. A surprise then. He forced a probe into the security system and quickly overrode the lock, pushing silently to open it. Now he could hear the mumbled grunting of his enemies, so he pulled his blade closer and pushed open the door. Silverwisp announced to his passengers that boarding was complete. He had created ten different committees, each with slightly overlapping responsibilities, and had asked them to elect a speaker. That should keep them busy. With a thought, he sent himself hurtling towards the edge of human space, weapons boundary now complete, and busily at work. Probably time to visit the ambassador. 
Ambassador Rowan was still entranced with her quarters when the low bell told her that she had a guest. The present rushed back in, at prospect of bloody war and vengeance with her name on it. When the door vanished into the walls, she saw the commander waiting for her permission to enter. She nodded and watched as his body reflected the dappled light, taking on a tinge of green and the patterns flicking across his skin becoming almost organic. She bowed and said, Welcome, Commander. You have made me welcome in ways I cannot explain. Thank you. Silver Wisp nodded and smiled. Thank you. I had hoped that you would treasure this place as much as I do. He allowed his glance to wander, enjoying the tall and verdant trees and the calls from the irritated wildlife, and took in a deep breath. When I was a child, I loved the forest, even if space called louder. I'm old enough to remember the forest burning, and I took it upon myself to stand guard over the green places. His eyes returned to Dark Steel. I have news, Ambassador. Will you hear it? Without her even noticing, her roots began extending deep into the soil below her, preparing for a storm. She nodded. The commander nodded. The beacon has become itself. It has agreed to my terms and has begun seeking justice for our people, its children. If you are willing to listen, I can tell you what I've agreed, but Beacon will not change his course. He has resigned from humanity. Rowan shivered. Since when do we allow weapons to resign? Do Axes get to choose if they wish to chop? What have you agreed? Silver kept any sign of humor from his patterns. Those that live their lives in contended peace tend to look for the sharpest stick when things become difficult. He was a soldier and measured his response with a more professional eye. Rowan is no weapon. He is a broken-hearted parent cast into steel and vengeance. He will seek out every Xeno that stood on a ship and destroyed his home while he was helpless to intervene. I estimate most damage that he can do is 200,000 casualties. Possibly a little more, but he is content to let me speak for our dead when it comes to the rest. She bent as if an ill wind had hit her, her leaves furling as if in a forest. So many. What are we setting upon these people? Always this. Too hard. Too soft. Too much. Or never enough. Ambassador, that represents less than 10% of the number of families he just lost. I would kill them myself for the slaughter of one of our worlds, but he will teach them terror. He will remind them that they drove our people to hide and die, and then burned their very world. Mercy is for those who wish to forgive. I will not grant it, and Beacon is merely their first lesson. The stain of steel covered his skin once again, the softness of the forest forgotten. I guard the green places and our children that play within, and I will see them pay for their cowardice. Beacon listened carefully, the vents telling him who was hiding and trying to stifle their crying. He had sealed the ship, declaring a full quarantine and isolating the crew from the salvation they thought awaited them on the outside of the ship. The idiot AI had not even noticed that it was an infection that was the one calling for quarantine. He reduced the lights a little more and caught a reflection from one of the panels. He was a dark thing, 
spattered with various fluids. He was what they had made him, a blood-stained shadow of his people, a ghost of their ideals. He burned off the blood before something could use it to trace him, and paced slowly towards the cubicle where he could sense two creatures trying not to sob. His blade was sharp. He had time before they finally broke into the ship. Today, he would teach them fear. Even as he had cried out, as he watched his children huddled in the dark, crying as their world burned around them, until the very air was aflame. Rowan stood in silence as she tried to absorb the situation. Despite the commander's words, she had the same thoughts, just not articulated as easily as a soldier. It made sense to her that Silver Wisp remembered the burning of the forests, an attack on her kind of human by an unthinking machine race. Long in the past, and long extinguished, but the first time that the race of man had truly stood in arms together, and had decided to face the universe as one. A bond now stronger than any steel and as taken for granted, even as she had forgotten the other men held the skies safe for her and her people, careless as they built playgrounds and beauty that enriched them all. She pulled up her two deep roots and allowed the vengeance of the forest to fill her. Blood will feed the soil that something wholesome can grow, she would not condemn something so broken as Beacon, not when they had rendered its people to wretched and broken rock. To the bitter end, the justice if possible, but revenge if that was all that was left. The universe had all but forgotten the smell of smoke, but she remembered all of her carefully buried memories, of her tears watering the burned nursery that she had tended. Her choices rang through her. She shook slightly, a tremble that ran across her leaves. She swore silently. This, this was the price of immortality, that eventually you could become anybody, even a bloody Trifford. The Shan Council was unhappy to be recalled and had yet to appoint a replacement for the recently deceased director. It was tragic that his hearts had failed so suddenly after his retirement, but they had given him a state funeral. Several states had, in fact. Amazing how many people had taken an interest in his sudden end. The council was aware that many people were still asking questions. The councilman, currently stuck holding the speaking stick, had been dragged from his home and was not feeling particularly charitable. So why exactly are we here in the middle of the damn night? He slammed down the stick with enough force to awaken several of his colleagues that had fallen back into a doze. A fleet commander stood to attention in front of the council, unmoved by the noise. Lizina was a cold-blooded one, stiff in its uniform slash life support. Council, I must report that we have lost a vessel. The councilman waved his stick. What? Why am I dragged from my home because we lost a ship? We have millions of the damn things. Am I never to sleep again? The Zeno seemed to think about that. Sir, that may very well be true. I know it's going to be difficult for me for a while. The ship was lost in port. The Haven of Fire. A Corsair-class ship with a crew of 80. Mixed species. It was in for a refit after the, um, human problem was resolved. 
It had expended all of its supplies, and it served well, so, frankly, no one noticed when it went offline. We are still trying to piece together how it happened, but I must show you what has happened. He knew there was no point in explaining, so he simply triggered the screens. He was obviously the point of view of one creature. The council watched as it broke into the ship, as it began to hunt down the crew, as it broke into a secured room. They saw the knife, a thick of darkness, and then it found a crewman. Most of the council was still vomiting when he paused the recording. Council, this was sent to me by name to show you what it was doing. It held that ship for nine hours and recorded every kill, every butchery. Each crewman was stripped of their face, and its skin was taken for some unknown purpose. And also left a message. Written in blood, an excellent calligraphy was a promise. You will all fall to me. It was signed, Beacon. He resumed the recording. If he had been forced to watch it, so could they. He added, This has been broadcast to the entire fleet, and we couldn't stop it in time. I believe this is going to end poorly, unless we mobilize quickly. End of chapter. Chapter 4 The Haven of Fire was now surrounded by heavily armed marines. Following the first investigation, a bunch of pale and sickened medical and police staff had left the ship under escort, completely silent. After that, it was armed men in full biohazard suits that sealed the door and were apparently waiting for orders. Beacon watched silently, fully hidden and hovering 300 meters above the ship. He could wait. He already knew what the next target was, and he was willing to be patient. He spent the time going through all the data that he had ripped from the ships and its crew, building a map of events and a death list. Finally, a new group arrived. Stern-faced and cold-blooded, they arrived at the ship's port. They come from the council. No one is to pass the store without my personal permission, and nobody, and I mean nobody, leaves until I am standing here. If they try, you shoot, and you shoot to kill. The creature radiated the coldness only achieved by a lifetime in government service, or waitressing, and the biosuited guards quickly nodded their agreement. His face was mostly concealed by the mask as he opened the door. Entering now, he was running a live feed to his office reading the darker parts of the council with information in the hope that they might prove useful. They were more familiar with the sorts of uh, damage done to the crew and perhaps might have some insight. Three bodies on the right-hand side of the door, two are missing lower limbs. The blood trail indicates that they clawed to the door before they were executed. Tracking. The Sean Council read the report in silence. They'd seen it happen, but this was something else. Their experts had mapped the destruction, the injuries. It was clear that this intruder had overcome and subverted security within the first few minutes. He could obviously have killed the crew as quickly, but chose to do this. Nine hours of hellish murder. The current holder of the speaking stick offered it to the group but found no takers. He sighed and tried to give voice to what he had read. We, uh have awakened a demon from old. This is beyond anything those humans could have created. This is beyond us. 
One of the council members shook his head. This is a new thing. An attack on one ship. This is not a war. This is personal. We have ships and crews across a thousand worlds. I vote to secure the area and hunt this thing down. We can evaporate the damn star if necessary. The rest of the council nodded in agreement. The speaker spoke. Fine. I will appoint the fleet commander as director and instruct him to hunt this thing down. He shall have whatever resources are required. Silence fell in the room. No one believed it was over. Silverwisp summoned the hundred witnesses to watch as he arrived at the graveyard of a human world. The walls turned to steel, then pulled open to reveal the burning remains of the once vibrant planet, flaring rock and shattered hope. He addressed his audience. A playground that we called Iru, a home to our people for over five thousand years. We crafted it from dead soil and made it beautiful as a gift, as a promise. All man is man. They wanted to explore our beginnings, live with the rain and the dirt, hunt and gather, live the life that we were first designed for. Many of us have grown up in such worlds, finding out what it is to be human. He closed the walls. Witness this! We stand in arms against such cruelty. They have burned our children beyond recovery, and we can only mourn and seek justice. I will be scanning the system to its very edges in the hope that someone survived, and in the knowledge that none could have. Because we must always have hope. Then I will bring the wrath of man upon this misbegotten bastards that did this until they are sorry that they ever learned how to make fire. The cold steel of his eyes met the fury in his voice as he vowed justice on those that had chosen to burn the green spaces that man had built. One of the men stood forward. So seen and witnessed, he bowed a little and added, I will lead the service for those lost Silver Wisp. Until then, the crowd dispersed and left him alone with his pain and his plans. Beacon listened as the enemy made all sorts of cunning plans and smiled. He had left them his next target, hidden under a thin soil of a half-deleted file. It had taken them a full day to find it, and he watched as they summoned their marines to guard it. The ship, the Mesoclip, was a battleship class, swarming with massive crews, four times the size of the Haven of Fire. It had immediately launched from the station and moved into a close orbit of the local sun on full alert and full scanners until the emergency drill was over. The crew had, one way or another, found out what had happened to its sister ship and not as insignificant number of crewmen had failed to show. Military police were pretending to look for them, and instead they drank together in silence, and they ignored what they'd all seen. The recording had filtered down to everyone, even the barkeep, and the sort of strange waiting silence filled the shipyard. They watched as the bodies were removed from the haven of fire, sometimes in quite small bags piled together. It took Beacon only a moment to track down the marine transport that was being sent to defend the Mesoclip. It wasn't even worthy of a name. 
simply a serial number. It would soon be burned in memory of anyone that heard of it for the next thousand years after his intervention. He slipped quietly aboard the Citadel-class Marine 3008 and waited. The ship had central command posts behind the best of armor, room for two to four hundred soldiers and excellent defensive fire. Beacons pulled himself deeper into the vent and waited for it to leave, polishing his blades and cleaning his weapon as he waited for the ship to be far beyond help. Out of the dark and silence of the bar came a drunken, angry voice. We should have left those humans alone. What the feck had they ever done to us? Poor bastards didn't have a chance and I... I... I dropped a thousand kilotons of Atma burners on them. The goddess isn't gonna forget. Don't forgive me for this one. The voice was met with silence. The military police just drank deeper and switched off their comms. A single gunshot rang through the bar. Silver Wisp stood alone as the witnesses returned to the endless bickering. His attention dwelt in the weapons foundry, creating every nightmare and pondering its use. Much he sent back to the furnaces, careful of the scars he would leave on the future. The punishment must meet the crime, and he had no mandate for genocide, nor the will to carry one out. It was like walking through the endless enemies that Earth had faced since the beginning of the expansion, nearly 12,000 years ago. A mere blip in the existence of mankind, but a combination of immortality, FTL, and gene org had created a reservoir of ways to inflict pain and death that included several ways to end the universe itself. Silver Wisp reached into himself and pulled out the flint arrowhead that he had found as a child. A talisman and a promise. He found it strangely entertaining that he would be able to identify with the creature that had made it. If they had stuck to drinking beer, then they might even be able to chat about the properties of Flint. He was a fan of Chert and Greenstone, but the connection would be real. And then they would have used it to kill any bastard that had burned down a village. Beacon began by slipping silently into the citadel itself. It wasn't difficult. The troops were lounging around the front of the ship, and the pilots hadn't bothered to close the doors. The ships didn't truly have a captain, just a marine commander and a pilot who pointed the ship. It was almost enough to raise a smile as he hit the command to seal the citadel itself and kick off the alarms. Then he waited, invisible, to the crew. The two pilots were suddenly surprised by the fall of the anti-mill doors and energy shields, the lights went to emergency as the power plant was locked down, and their consoles went to a totally new menu. One they hadn't seen since they were boots. Then the comms lit up. Sir? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't trigger it. More mad button pushing. Sir, it needs to be you to be in here. Or you need to be... Well, you need to be dead, sir. I, I don't know, sir. The pilot watched as the ship was slowed to one-third speed. Sir, I'm trying to troubleshoot it. This is a Citadel-class ship. The whole fucking point is that you can't get in. With respect, command in here falls to me. Look after your men. I'll call you. He continued cursing and trying to regain control of his ship. Beacon unveiled himself with a grim smile. And you can't get out. My name is Beacon. And you burned my world. We 
need to talk. He drew his knife and began. The Marines couldn't hear the screaming through the armored doors. End of chapter. Chapter 5 Beacon pushed the remains of the pilots into a neat pile and evaporated them with his plasma and then sat down, making himself comfortable at the command console. He watched the marines outside run around like some headless fowl as they tried to force open the doors. Wasn't going to happen unless he let it. The whole point of the vessel was that it couldn't be taken while the marines were busy boarding some other sorry bastard. He contemplated his route to the Messaclip, estimating that he had around four hours before he was in full scanner range of the ship. Time to shut up the squeaking soldiers outside. He started by cutting off the grav plates throughout the ship, and then immediately put the ship into a spin. He sat comfortable as the G-forces built, passing beyond anything organic life could withstand, and gave it an hour, turning the ship into a blender. Outside, the soldiers were being flung at increasing speed into each other, into every wall and every fitment. He watched with interest until the cameras were binded by spray. Then he turned the gravity back on and steadied the ship, softly whistling. He released the defenses. The thick door swung open silently, leaving a smear across the floor. It was covered in scorch marks and dimples from weapons fire. He gazed at the new decorations that the corridors were coated with. Mostly bits. Bits of blood. It wasn't exactly the personal approach that he preferred, but sometimes just making a mess would get his point across. He ambled through the ship, ensuring that none of the bits could speak or move, taking the odd souvenir. Until he was certain, no one would be sending out any inconvenient signals. He burned off the mess currently sticking to his feet, and concentrated on the next part of his plan. Silver Wisp was prepared for the service, organizing the witnesses and the requirements. Now, he simply stood beside Rowan and readied himself. In front of him sat three altars recovered from the wreckage of the world. Stone, ice, and soil. They had been recovered by one of the witnesses, a human that had chosen naked space as its environment and disliked interiors. It felt that this was suitable demonstration of its grief and solidarity. Silver Wisp agreed. At Rowan's request, it was taking place in her quarters, and the soft green and gentle breeze seemed to gentle the mood. No one forgot that they were here on a mission of death and vengeance, but it reminded people of their better selves. The man that stood forward to conduct the service was tall, thin, and gray-skinned, wrapped in a dark robe. He stood in front of the altars and paused, waiting for the conversation to dwindle. When he was satisfied with the quiet, he began. Welcome to the family of man. I am called Six Dark Places, and today is a dark day. I too spent my early life on a children's planet, running with spears, hunting and rejoicing in our beginnings. My own children are doing so today. To see such a place so brutalized is a horror to all of us, but we cannot behave like children ourselves. I ask you to reach out to me and let us join in our grief, our distaste for what we know must come, 
and seek absolution from humanity itself. Silverworth closed his eyes and tried to center himself. Psionics wasn't something he ever dabbled in. He felt his own mind and motivations needed enough work without peering into other people's inner selves. Still, he felt a certain relief when the minds around him were joined and he found himself in the company of his peers. Once you stripped away all the alterations, he felt the humanity in the room in a way that mere appearances would never permit. The Messerclip was currently impatiently waiting for the marine ship to arrive. The captain had been provided with a full, lurid, and confidential description of what had happened on the Haven of Fire, and the reassuring presence of a few hundred marines might calm down his crew, and himself, if he had to be honest. He flinched at the memory of the celebrations on board after they had eradicated the humans, a battle with no consequences or risk. It had been a pleasure to use so many restricted systems forbidden by tedious treaties until they had been sent as the wrath of the goddess on the perverted creatures. Now, it seemed, that they had an equally perverted guardian, and it was coming for his ship. He snapped at his comms officer. Where are they? I want to speak to the marine commander. The comms officer nodded. Yes, sir. They're in comms range. Hailing now. The console started buzzing impatiently as Beacon returned from his walk. He grinned slightly. The Mesoclip must be getting worried. He constructed a virtual environment and allowed the call. The comms officer simply saw the scowling face of Marine Commander that was currently smeared across three decks like jam. What? demanded Beacon. The comms officer stuttered slightly, surprised by his aggression. Sir, sir, the, the captain w wishes to speak to you, putting you through. He hurriedly pushed the call to the captain's cabin with a sigh of relief. The bridge crew glanced at each other and pretended that they had heard nothing. The captain was impatiently prowling his office, feeling the hot breath of a predator on his neck in a way that he hadn't in his adult life. It was the same fear that had driven his people to destroy the humans in the first place. He wanted guns, men, and reassurance. Mildly, he was face to face with his protector. Commander, what is your status? Beacon was rather overjoyed the opportunity and opened his mouth in a sneer. By what? Are you blind? Did you somehow miss my ship approaching? Or did you forget your orders to maintain signal silence until I land? He pushed his face closer. I know you herbivores don't like to face some death. Ghosts alone, but let alone the whole system. No, you need a babysitter. It won't help your career, will it? He pulled back. I'll be on your ship in two hours. Shut up, sit down, and wait until I get there to hold your hand. Tell your senior officers and staff to meet my ship. I don't want to repeat myself. Commander, out. Beacon cut the call. That should do wonders for morale. The captain stood in front of a blank screen and gently deflated, his mouth working soundlessly. The service dispersed gently, everyone preoccupied with their own thoughts. Silverwisp and Rowan remained with Seek's dark places and let them leave before he spoke. The reality of war is never as simple as the idea of it, Rowan remarked. Silver Wisp nodded. But it is not new to us, and I must make preparations. He turned to the seer. Thank you. That was very helpful. 
Let me know if there's anything arises that I need to deal with. He bowed to Rowan and left. They watched him go. Rowan turned to the tall Gracier. So, your verdict? I ask as one of the quorum. This is my war, she reminded him. He grasped her hand. Then I will show you. The imagery was slightly strange, almost like a dream half-remembered. The seer chimed in. Your mind is interpreting things for you. I am simply sending the raw data. She closed her eyes and took the sense of rough wind blowing through her branches, dark clouds and storms on the horizon. The smell of burning, the smell of dying trees and dead ground, the silent weeping. And then, the rage. She felt herself meld with the community, seeking blood payment for the atrocity. She felt the disciplined wrath of silver wisps stand out, driving the battle and unwilling to see the green places fall again. She saw the spear in his hand, his shield held high. She felt her people wrap themselves tightly around him, becoming a banner on the spear, a license. She opened her eyes and looked at the seer. Thank you. She bowed and turned away. Citadel Class Marine 3008 requesting docking. The captain had remained in sullen silence until the ship arrived. He would have words with the commander on his terms, on his ship. He hadn't felt so humiliated since he'd been a junior officer and crossed the senior NCO. He commanded a battleship. He went beyond the request of the Marine commander and filled the landing dock with his ship guards and full armor as well as his officers. He knew it was childish, but he still sent the orders. He also scanned the incoming craft until the paint on it started to blister. Then he decided to wait on his bridge and meet the insolent Marine from his command chair. Beacon had stepped off the Marine ship as soon as it had passed through the sensors. He chirped out the docking commands even as he made his way behind the assembled crew of the battleship. And then he waited. He really wanted to see this. The ship landed unmolested and unprotesting. The troops waited, wondering why they had been woken up and sent to the armory for this. It was just the marines. Still, they held their ground. The silence drew out as no one opened the hatch. Some uncomfortable twitching and scratching filled the vast room. Nothing. And nobody moved. The captain seethed. Obviously, the Marine commander was waiting for him to appear. He should have spoken up, but the damned creature had made his point about the signal silence. He curtly nodded at his bridge staff and stomped off to meet the blasted soldier. The landing docks weren't particularly pretty. Utilitarian ramps and officers clumped into some sort of efficient machine. It did, however, have the military pomp that insists on a proper entrance for the captain. His personal guard hurried behind him as he marched into the hatch and waited. Nothing. Beacon grinned. The blood and then the smell. That's what the crew remembered. As the captain had ordered the hatch open, a flood of gore had seeped out of the ship. They saw clamps. Then they saw the walls. They saw the captain begin to throw up as he tried to weigh them away. Then a smell. A smell that filled the room and entered the bents. 
sharing it with the rest of the ship. The captain scoffed, grabbed him, and began dragging him away, the second ordering them out and calling for the medics. No one moved, held by the horror. Then uh, they remembered that they were military, proud upholders of the Empire, and drew their weapons, ready for anything. Nearly anything. From the speakers set in the walls, from the personal comms, and from somewhere behind them came a slow clap. The cadence filled the room until everyone turned, searching for the calls. It seemed to come from the shadows that weren't supposed to be there. Someone thought to fire. All their trigger discipline was shut. It didn't matter. As plasma flew into the dark corner, someone had thought responsible. Mindlessly, they all fired until the clapping stopped. The poor office and its inhabitants were blown apart until some semblance of discipline returned. The frozen silence held until the NCO started shouting and they were shuffled off the dock, out to spread horror amongst the rest of the crew. The medics had assured him that there would be no lasting side effects. It was simply shock. A few days rest and some therapy and he would be fine. He stared at them. Rest! That monster is on my ship! The captain pulled himself away from the healers and began closing his uniform. He snarled at the doctors. What I need is information. What happened to my marines? End of chapter. Silver Wisp let his mind settle. He'd done all he could to reassure his peers that he was wanted justice, not revenge. Although the difference wasn't going to be apparent to his enemies, he sealed the ship and blended with it, becoming his entire self. It was a relief to be whole again. He aimed at the Council world, the primary target of his wrath. The Council was a shouting match, starting with the report regarding Citadel Class Marine 3008 and working up from there. Members of one ship, now we know where this thing is, we can kill it. We all knew this was going sideways, and one battleship is going to end this one way or another. I have assets in place that can destroy the whole damn system if we need to. Stop bitching about some marines. Goddess knows they're no loss to the gene pool. That caused a sudden silence. Several members of the council had come from the marines, and they didn't appreciate being treated as cannon fodder. The council member waved at him. I'm sorry. You know what I meant. They were dead on arrival. Whatever this creature is, use them as propaganda. Another trick to terrify the fleet. I regret their loss as much as you do. But it changes nothing about the tactical situation. He paused and threw down a report. We can't even bury them properly. How is, uh, this? The council regarded the report. One section in particular was causing a lot of noise. It was with regret that we cannot assure the Council that the Marines fell with honor. Through the misuse of ship systems, they have been reduced to what can only be described as POV. Not content with simple murder, the alien continued the process until the remains of the dead were embedded or distributed throughout the ship. In our honest opinion, there is no further value in searching for the cause of death and that declaring the ship an official graveyard for the crew might be more appropriate. And this creature is now on the Mesoclip. What should we expect next? What new recordings will bleed into the fleet until we have no damned crew at all? 
The recriminations continued until the senior officer walked carefully to the stick holder and whispered in his ear. Security measure, not used in generations, suddenly activated, and the doors slammed shut. The very chamber itself began dropping hundreds of meters below the ground, an unfortunate event for all the decorative baubles and treasure portraits on the walls as they were suddenly ground to dust. Much of the furniture also fell loudly and shattered. The chairman stood shaky as he was and announced, Council, we have an incursion into the system. We have reason to believe it is hostile. He paused for a moment as he tried to recall the words. A vessel of some ten kilometers in length and width have arrived in orbit. It is unknown to our security or intelligence community. I am awaiting more details. He sank into his seat and clutched the speaking stick. He nodded to the staffer. Tell them... The staffer wasn't known to the rest of the council, but he spoke with a certain gravitas. He nodded. A vessel, a sphere of some kind, has arrived and is currently sitting in low orbit over our world. Anything approaching, including the home fleet, has been destroyed. We have no intelligence on the species or the vessel. All we are receiving is a countdown, indicating that it will make contact late tomorrow. I cannot recommend evacuation as nothing has been permitted to leave the atmosphere. I'm here to answer any questions I can, although I believe that sums it up. Silver Wisp almost felt guilty as the dumb ships attacked. He appreciated the bravery, but it was outweighed by the sheer stupidity. It took a moment to extinguish the idiot machines and sit quietly in low orbit, particularly since a few warning shots had grounded anything leaving the planet. He kept an eye on his kill count, just to make sure he didn't ruin his introduction. The final images of the home fleet were played for the council, the vastness of the alien vessel becoming suddenly real. The staffer's gentle monotone filling them in. It is ten-kilometer sphere, although where it begins is uncertain. Never simply its footprint as it entered the system. It shows no weapons or propulsion. It left no track beyond its arrival here. Our ships that tried to engage it simply exploded with massive internal disruptions that bypassed every defense we have. It went straight through our shielding, and we have no answer. If it chooses to, we will be dead tomorrow. What I need from you are orders for the rest of the Empire. Do we surrender? Do they fight on? Do we appoint the government on one of the colonies? These are questions that you must answer tonight. Beacon watched the chaos spread through the ship. Tired, angry, and confused crewmen were handed weapons and told that their orders were to fire at will. They were even more confused. Free fire on a ship was just suicide with extra steps, and no one seemed to be in charge. The stories of the Haven of Fire and the Citadel were murmured, but this was a fecking battleship. The decent officers roused their men, posted watch and rotated them out, but many dragged their men to choke points and then threw weapons and fear at them until it became dangerous to move about the ship. He decided to join in. He disguised himself as an ordinary crewman and approached one of the most disciplined watchers. He held up his four limbs and crooned a simple tune until he was waved to the side. Apparently, they had forbidden crew to pass while carrying weapons. In a moment of sheer genius, the lieutenant had decided that he could simply hand them back once the crew had left his area and arranged runners to accomplish it. No one with a weapon was going through his area of responsibility, and it worked. 
By the time any wandering soul had got through the checkpoints, his weapons were waiting at the exit. So far, he hadn't lost any of his crew to the fear currently filling the ship. That had to stop. At the first checkpoint, Beacon pulled out his knife. Sorry, uh, does this count? Biencio looked at it and moved his hand to the trigger. Drop it before I drop you. Beacon grinned and dropped it straight through the NCO's foot, and as it screamed, he grabbed the creature's gun, firing through the man and into the two crewmen before they could react. As he stood amongst the corpses, he picked up his knife and did his homework. He began whistling quietly, an old tune from the planet that these bastards had burned. He was probably the last person to know it, and that fed his anger. The council had achieved nothing, spending their time looking for a way off the planet, and when that had been denied, refusing to hand over authority to anyone. It didn't matter how unlikely a victory was, they would share the spoils of defeat instead. Marked orders to the military produced nothing, since they had read the same reports hours before they reached the council. They sat in sullen silence and waited for the countdown to end, for the end to begin. The clock ticked slowly down. Nine hours. Beacon began his plan, beginning with the navigation office. He knew exactly where the ship needed to go, and now the door was unguarded. A simple punch, and it flew open. Surprise! The six crew stood stunned as a monster broke in, a creature as dark as the night outside. But the glint on its two blades caught their attention and held it. It spoke. Today is a good day for you, although probably quite short. I'm going to let you run. If you make it to the escape pods before I count to ten, you get to leave the ship. Isn't that nice of me? It stood out in the way of the doorway and looked at them. Run. The crew seemed to hesitate for a moment, and then Beacon raised his knives, and they bolted from the room. He pushed the door vaguely back into place and smiled. He hadn't lied. They could reach the escape pods if they moved quickly. He had programmed them to jettison in twenty minutes, and they were all pointed directly into the local sun. But they would have time to feel the pain, time to repent of what they had done. He planned the same for the rest of the crew. Today was a day of fire. The math was complicated, and not all the systems wanted to do what they were told. He had to break quite a lot of it before he was happy with the trajectory of the ship. The crew had left all of their posts without logging off, which helped a lot. He double-checked and now satisfied, then crushed all the ship's systems that could prevent it. He had whimsically called this the dead man walking strategy, and he was looking forward to seeing how it worked. Now, for engineering and the engines. The hatch to engineering was a hell of a lot thicker than anything else the ship, and he paused. He wanted that door. It was a nice door. He pulled up his transmission from the captain and modeled himself appropriately. The cameras were already his, so he simply knocked. The squinting creature that appeared on the screen seemed surprised to see him. Sir, uh, you're not supposed to be here, like, uh, ever. Uh, what can I do for you? Beacon put on the same scared herbivore face the captain had used when he'd been waiting for the marines to save him and whispered, I am bringing my guard here, and we will wait for the fleet to arrive. I've ordered us home, but the creature is interfering with transmissions. Please, open the door. Behind him appeared an image of his armsman arriving and looking nervous. Nervous and heavily armed. 
The engineer was not a difficult man. Certainly not one to pick a fight with his own captain, but this was almost too much. Then the door began to slide open of its own accord, even as the captain stumbled in. Thank you. My men will stand guard outside. The door closed silently behind him. He began simply wandering around the department and annoying the crew. He asked stupid questions and pretended not to understand the answers. He poked at things that made tails twitch and scales itch. He hit buttons that shouldn't be hit. He pulled levers that shouldn't be pulled. Finally, the chief engineer had had enough. Sir, can you sit down? Something is wrong with the ship. Surely you have better things to do. Beacon sat down comfortably at the console. He had already accomplished all he wanted to do in this department. All that button pushing having done its job. He smiled at the engineer. Honestly, I just wanted to see if I could carry it off. You uh, creatures, you are such a dull evil. I wondered if I could send you to your reward without you even noticing. And here we are. Tell me, Chief, when you were powering the weapons that burned my world, did you ever ask why you were doing it? As he spoke it, his body got darker and bigger. The engineer started, What? Captain, what are you? Oh, crap. I'm so sorry. We were just here to take orders. I'm sorry. They already knew it wasn't going to help. Beacon pulled out a small weapon and nodded at the engineer. Sorry isn't enough. He pulled out the pistol. This one took a while to calibrate with your shields, but it should be a memorable moment. For me, anyway. Your weapon stole all the air of my world, and it wasn't pretty. So I thought that you'd like to see it firsthand. He smiled, and the confused crew, some of whom were running for the unresponsive door. It was a nice door. Ready? He didn't wait. Simply pointed the weapon at the exterior hull and fired. The hull was small, not more than 30 centimeters square, but it cut through every shield until it reached open space at vacuum. The atmosphere began to rush out as the crew and random objects were pulled towards the hull. He watched as the engineer realized what was about to happen. Beacon leaned forward and added, Go feck yourself. He sat and watched as men, equipment, and despair were dragged kicking and screaming into the small hole, no doubt smearing themselves all over the nice clean space outside. He had been surprised at how long some of these creatures could hold their breath, something to remember for next time. Then he went back to the consoles and turned off all the stupid alarms and refined his earlier work. He wanted to be absolutely sure they got the full benefit of his lesson. He had debated staying on the ship, but this close to the sun and with fading systems, he couldn't be sure that the rest of the fleet would get the transmission. He would have to watch this one alongside them. Perhaps he could give a running commentary. That could be entertaining. He expanded the hole in the ship and stepped back into the void. The captain was already a mess, barely out of the medbay and accompanied by two healers in case he needed to be dismissed for medical reasons or if he completely lost the plot again. Sir, we have lost nav and engines. Engineering is not responding, showing a vacuum in the department. I've sent a security and repair section to both, awaiting reports. The captain was not shaking. The ship must be quivering. He snapped at the bridge crew. Stabilize the damn ship. This shaking is distracting. The crew looked at each other and pretended to adjust some settings. 
Sir, yes, sir. One of his crew cursed and stood up, quickly moving to another station. He waved for support, and within a minute the whole crew was desperately hitting their consoles and whispering to each other. The captain asked in a worried voice, What? What has the creature done to us now? The second took a deep inhale and reviewed what the crew and the screens were telling him. This is not going to be pretty. Sir, the creature has changed our course, sir. We'll be uh, approximately three million kilometers closer to the sun than permitted. He has also disabled our heat shields and uh, slowed the ship to one-third speed. He tried to paint the picture. Sir, we are going to slowly fall into the sun with no protection. I estimate that it'll take nine hours before the situation is fatal to all crew. All escape pods have been jettisoned, and our comms are shot. We're going to burn in here. Beneath his desk, he had already alerted security to lock down the ship and nodded at the healers to drag the crying captain from his post. He took the captain's console and skimmed through the nine hours deadline. The creature had held the haven of fire for nine hours. He had delayed the citadel for roughly the same. It became clear when he realized that they had bombarded the human world for nine hours. Crap! Beacon watched as the ship fell into his carefully planned trajectory. He estimated, depending on how clever the crew was, that they would begin to fall apart in an hour. In the meantime, he had been busy punching a direct feed to all of the other fleet ships that he could reach. The Council of Grey was a frigate, just under a thousand crew and with a respectable battle record. Sharp, well-disciplined, and used to heavy odds, it had enjoyed a little planet burning, even if the captain had seemed unhappy. He was growly and bloody-minded scour, full of honor and regret. When his comms officer pushed his way past everyone to report the illegal stream being pushed into the system, he waved him in and listened. The mesoclip is under attack. The crewman hesitated for a moment. No, sir. The mesoclip is doomed. The human ghost has seized it and has sent it towards the local sun. They aren't the ones calling us. It's the creature... It wants us to watch. The captain seemed to grow older. So it begins. The goddess is never gonna forgive us. He pulled himself straight. Can we rescue? Are we close enough? The crewman shook his head. Too far. I'm not sure the crew would even obey that order. As I said, the mesoclip is doomed. No one is responding. I checked, and the fleet is abandoning the system, and the gossip says that they're going to use a sun killer on the system. The captain dismissed the crewman and looked thoughtfully into the future. The council would fall for this, but there was always another council. Unless this wasn't the end. Why just attack the fleet? Perhaps because the big guns were on their way somewhere else. One creature was paralyzing the fleet. What would a nation of them do? Another world of meat eaters. He had despised the orders when he'd received them, but he must be on the list somewhere. Another of those that had burned an innocent world. He scanned the list of a thousand worlds and picked one that might suit. He began watching the stream, watching the battle fall apart and the burning begin. He didn't wait nine hours. All hands, new orders are sending us far into a thousand with little prospect of return. We'll be making one stop in... He checked the star map. Eight hours. 
Disembark if you wish. He pulled full strip control of his office and sealed the door. He was going to do the only sane thing and run. Inside the battleship, the temperature kept rising. It didn't matter what they did and how many men they sent. He can't fight his son or kill a ghost. The crew heard rumors of a cooler spot and ran towards it. Issuing weapons to all crew merely turned it into a bloodbath. The heat sent some mad. Some literally burst into flame if they touched a wall. All sanity was lost until a low voice chirped into the comms. Remember, the Citadel is just sitting there. Maybe you could escape on that. Beacon cackled at that one. To use that mess as bait encouraged the murderers to murder better. They made sure the cameras covered the insanity that followed as the crew slaughtered each other to reach the ship that only a few hours ago had been a horror. Pity that he had already had a plan for that ship, but he wasn't going to be mean about it. In fact, it would save him a walk. He waited until the puking, bleeding survivors launched the ship and then made himself comfortable on the hull, listening. It's done. We are out of the gravity well. Call set for station. Goddess, forgive us. How many did we kill to get here? The older creature, now carrying no tags or rank, shook his head. None. We killed none. They will be dead within the next few hours and their records with them. We were just lucky as all. Happened to be guarding this ship and fled when all else failed. What can they do to us that that creature hasn't already tried to do? He wanted to live. Same as me. After an hour, one of the men, squirming with discomfort, had pulled off his biofaulted mask and endured the smell of, uh, cooking meat. What the feck? Sarge, is it getting hotter in here? One glance at the grinning thing outside told them the truth. They hadn't escaped. Hal was taking them home. Back! Emergency broadcast, senior ranks only. Sun killer failed. Unknown interference. No alien traces were found. Declaring emergency missing sun killer. Battleship Mesoclub and Citadel recovered. No survivors. Creature, unknown hostile entity, is assumed to still be active. Rowan stood beside Silver Wisp as the timer ran down. She was almost sure he had a plan. Almost. She was mostly there to see what happened next. Four kilometers below the surface of the council wool, the council waited. Suddenly, a dark force arrived. It walked to the stick holder, ripped it out of the hand, and then tore his face apart. Fangs ripped at him as he fell, the screams filling the suddenly locked room. Then the androgynous figure stood up. Forgive me. I believe this is how you conduct diplomacy. Perhaps he might need medical assistance? All of the attending staff that had been waiting, including several bodyguards and medics, ran in and saw the damage. They ignored the stranger and hauled the chairman away. The figure nodded at the support staff. My apologies. I felt that it would serve little purpose on getting them today. He seemed to solidify, becoming a metal biped. An ever-changing landscape of patterns instead of a face. You declared war and I'm here to see you lose. He picked up the blood-soaked stick from the floor and threw it at a random councilman. Here you go! Speak! The councilman caught the stick and, in a moment of fury, slammed it down. You are new to us and an aberration. We have done you no evil. He looked at the blood of the speaking stick. He had done you no wrong to die like this. Why do you speak of war? Silverwisp turned to his old face. 
His early days. Days in the forest as a child. Days of innocence until the burning. The same face that he'd shown the seer. You burned our children. You burned our green spaces. We are human. And we are legion. He raised a hand and then a finger, carefully allowing them to watch as he touched the podium. I will send you the terms of your surrender, he paused. I see from your notes that Beacon has been busy. He will never stop. He probably shouldn't have killed his family. He isn't human anymore. Then the countdown reset, and Silverwisp returned to himself. Rowan was waiting for him. A little dramatic, wasn't it? Silverwisp looked at her as if she was from the darkest past, finally nodding. Rowan, I was the one that poured the healing waters on your family. You have no idea what I'll do to these people. These seem to grow taller, darker, fiercer. But many of them are about to die, and I'm not sorry. I'm going to burn them out of space. He stopped for a moment. You were not much more than a child at the burning. Go to the seer and tell him I permit you to see my memories. He can show you what war means to us. He said he was one of those damned humans. He said we burned their children. What the feck have we done? That ship could kill us all in a day. The sudden crash surprised them as the podium collapsed. The place where the human had touched had burned a hole that had spread. Reluctantly, they looked around and saw the same breaking down, spreading, small cracks that didn't seem to care if it was steel or plastic, paper or wood. The human disease was burning through their chamber. This, then, was the countdown. Nine hours. End of chapter. Part 7 Might I ask what sentence you have decided upon? Rowan and the seer were standing in the doorway and didn't seem inclined to move. He saw the fear of genocide on their faces. She must have asked the seer about his history. Well, he'd wanted her to know. He pulled up a map of his now accursed empire and flashed a feral grin. Certainly, the council complex will fall to dust, as well as anyone and anything currently standing it. I estimate that will kill off central government within a generation. Those who sentence our children to death will be wiped from the planet. He expanded the map. For the rest, I am banishing them from space, until the newest of their newborns has fallen to old age. Not a ship, not a satellite, or a signal will be permitted to leave any of their worlds. They shall fall into silence until the last of these responsible have died. I will be announcing it to them tomorrow and give them a few months to land. Famine wouldn't spoil the point, and I already have everything mapped out. He added. And a ghost beacon will cut his way through their worlds as he sees fit. I see no reason to stop him. They will have learned many valuable lessons, such as... His voice rose and sharpened at the barest echo of his rage show. Such as don't burn down one of our worlds. Don't even carry matches near our children. Rowan listened carefully and slowly nodded. That is remarkably kind of you. I might have preferred more fire, but I expect Beacon will do that for me. The seer nodded. Seen and witnessed. 
Perhaps they will have learned to share the galaxy when you release them from the prison they have built for themselves. He looked sharply at Silverwis. You've grown since the fires. I am proud of you, son. Silverwis nodded. Thank you. Now, if you don't mind, I have a lot to do and not a lot of time to do it. Rowan raised a hand. Peace. I asked the seer to show me your memories, to understand why you became a creature of metal and war. You are correct that I was a child, although it didn't feel like a childhood. I saw forests burn, but I didn't see the war. I didn't see the price you paid when you left the green for the black. That you broke the bodies of our enemies and used the cold metal to build something better. I did not know that this ship was made from the corpses of our enemies so that you could guard our green spaces. I simply wanted to say thank you. She bowed low and headed towards the great trees that he had grown upon the enemy dead. She wondered what she was supposed to feel because she actually felt herself strike the bare metal floor a little harder and smile. A faint smell of burning that always seemed to be in the air now explained. Beacon got a call from Earth. Not a call, really. I had no interest in speaking to him. He told him what was about to happen. He told him he could continue his work if he chose to, and gave him the crew lists of every ship the enemy had sent against his world, and where he could probably find them. He found himself agreeing with a strange justice. He'd never met the Silver Wisp, but he got the sense that he had carried a knife in his day and had become something more. For now, he had a blade and a battleship to kill. Silver Wisp knelt and carefully brushed the dirt from the fourth altar that had been recovered from the destroyed planet. This one had not been blessed. It was an altar of metal, and that would remain with him and be added to his ship. He carried it to the weapons foundry and watched it melt into the vast reservoirs he maintained. Soon, it would be needed again. He began by sending the other three to the quorum, ice to the musicians, stone to the spaces, and soil to the forests, to each their own. Then, he began casting the interdictors, the battleship-sized machines that would enforce the sentence he was about to pass. He felt having one in orbit over each and every world would make the point faster than a simple message. He crafted them carefully and made sure a little bit of the new iron was included on every ship. The council had been recovered from the failing depths of the palace by many sweating armsmen. Some had not been able to make the climb, and all their remains stood in bewildered silence. They had ruled a thousand worlds, and now it was turning to dust in front of them. Literally. They had seen the crack spread, the fall of much of the edifice, and now they found the chamber itself was simply gone. Now, it was in their clothes, in their scales and fur. The human disease was eating them alive. The human thing appeared. They had long since lost track of the hours. Their screens had failed long ago. They simply stood in bitter silence. Silverwisp looked at the tattered remains of the vicious government, killers of children. He laughed. <laughs> it sucks, doesn't it? 
Someone you never met, never offended, suddenly seeks you out and destroys everything that you care about. It's a much simpler when you didn't know that we would find you. That it was bigger than you could imagine. That it could happen to you. You have damned yourselves, even as you sat and read reports of strange creatures on the edge of your space and thought to kill them. We have done the same. Each and every one of your people will know of your failure. Some will even pray that your children die young so that they may return to space. No, the time is set and we will meet your people when the last of you is gone. This time, I hope you offer an open hand, and trust me on this. I'll be there to see that day, and I will stand in judgment. And I, and the other 85,000 planets that are human, the 9 million orbitals, fleets, and habitats, you are condemned to dust, and your empire with you. I leave you the full sentence. Please read it. Terms and conditions may apply. He returned to his ship and began supervising his new fleet as it made its way into the low orbit of every planet of the Stead Empire. Then he set an alarm and went to meet with the witnesses. They probably had questions. The creature was off. Scales faded and chipped. Someone had rough polished them before he had entered the village house, but he looked like a lost thing until he found his seat and supped greedily at the soup. So today I tell the tale. I will speak of when the stars fell silent and why. He croaked a little. <clears throat> we were a people of wonder, a thousand worlds under our reign, until something came out of the dark for us. You have seen what they did, the great pit that was our city, the single bloody star that watches us and defends our cries for help. One day it'll fall and we'll rise against them again. They called themselves human, and they are creatures of metal and hate. Long did the god of death walk amongst us with a dark blade. They say even the human feared him until he had filled his thirst and returned to the dark. The woman was old, bold as the rocks, as they say, but her voice grew young and sung. Cast down we were, for putting fire to a young world. All of our wealth was cast away in a moment of madness. We sought to destroy our fears, for there they all were, sitting on a single rock. Clever, we thought we were, cunning, and we chose to strike in the dark and kill them, we did. But bright fires cast deep shadows, and from the dark came those that guarded them. Their rage was such that they turned an empire to dust and sent us back to till the soil. Their death walked with us, looking for his lost children, they say, but his heavy blade only found their murderers. Stay silent, he said, silence, until the last of you are past, for the sound of your voice will bring death upon you. Our rage is too great, and we fear what we will do. Hide, until we no longer weep. Today, Rowan was feeding her age. 
Her branches stiffened and her heart would burden by too many memories. She had pondered on the change, but nothing had seemed to pierce her spirit. She'd been surprised when the seer had arrived, calling the quorum of war to witness the end. Time moved so fast. They sat above the sealed worlds, the one that had, in their long-forgotten past, dared to burn a human world. She felt only sadness. How long has it been? It seems an age ago. The seer nodded. To us, a couple of hundred years, give or take. To them, an eternity. Silver Wisps send them back to a new beginning. She waved at the scanner. Where is he? He said that he would be here for this. He even wrote it down somewhere. The seer nodded. Yes, I suspect he is on his way. He tends to think hard about these things. He has an ending in mind. A thousand ships, over a thousand worlds, watched an old woman die, and the sentence was ended. Blood red went to bright blue and then flickered away. A message was sent to those that could hear. The stars are open to you again. This time, come as friends. There won't be a next time. A thousand ships, all one, all shattered and waiting. Watching and unforgiving, but the alarm rang and the summons came. Over the council planet, they met and melded. The one that guarded the green spaces was becoming whole once again. They watched as a thousand ships collided, as the light became greater than the sun. Rowan smiled, and the leaves rustled wildly as she squeaked. His home! She turned with a look at the seer. You don't need to tell him I said that. The seer bowed and merely glanced into the future. It was good that his son would find such happiness. End of chapter. Part 8 Beacon had had his difficult time finding this one, the last target that he would find before Silver Wisp intervened. With her sitting in orbit like a sullen star, with every ship grounded and every signal silenced, he knew he was running out of time. In Sepikant, Senior Armsman, last known post of the Seven Shades Corsair class, accomplice to the murder of Iru, retired and currently hiding on 320.93.471.07. Not hiding anymore. In fact, the creature had practically shouted from the rooftops that he was here after years of successful hiding. That's fine. His knife still worked and a century of work had not taken the edge of his desire for revenge. He didn't bother to hide. The people knew that the human god of death was walking amongst them. After his early work, the military and police locked the doors and prayed to their goddess. He barely even noticed as the population fled. The rules were clear that interfering with his mission carried a heavy price. The town was nothing special. A once prosperous hub of commerce hurled back into a time of agrarian subsistence. They probably had a king. Hastily rebuilt infrastructure, water and wind now running the planet. Beacon grinned. He had been pissed when the sentence had been imposed. He had wanted dead. He had wanted blood and fire until he realized how angry the quorum were. The enemy didn't get to die in the fire and heroics. 
They got to bleed out to watch those they loved to die from simple causes to sit in the wreckage of the world while a glaring red eye sat over their home and never let them forget why they had been cursed. He cheerfully admitted that Silver was, was probably a bigger bastard than he was, and he knew how bad that was. You could only call it a homestead. It looked like it had been built, well, built before the energy had run out. Built by someone who knew that hell was coming. Someone that had known that he was one of the damned. The walls were solid. The gate was tall and heavily built from ship steel. And open. Curious. The path was empty. His senses read the landscape as heavily armed and uh, disconnected. Nothing wanted to kill him. It was an odd feeling, but it slowed his pace and he put his knife away. That left only a talker. Some of them got like that, usually after the first hour. How sorry they were, how they didn't mean to drop 800 kilotons of heavy ordnance on some children. One captain had cried that he was only obeying orders. That had added a remarkably long time to its pain. He hadn't waited until the miserable creature was dead before he took his place and left him to bleed out. Not even worth the blade. Some just stood there and nodded, the nightmare finally turning up. An end to the sweating nights and broken dreams. Those he killed quickly, but they both knew that the meeting ended in death. Some were even grateful. Today would end it. The quorum had told him that this was the last, the last crewman he was allowed to sentence. He had made his way over a thousand planets, over a century of human time to track and kill 111,000 murderers. It had been easier when they had stayed in their damn ships. He had hit such a big numbers in the beginning, thousands in a day, if he got to the reactor and cooked them slowly. Good times. The air was clear. He could detect one life form. The sky was darkening to a deep silver as the human shield blocked the planet, banned from even seeing the stars that they had betrayed. The more he thought about it, and that was practically his only purpose, the more he thought humans were bigger bastards than people realized. Not the shant, obviously. They had got to meet the sharp end, but the rest of the oblivious galaxy. And him, of course, literally the sharp end. The door was open, swinging lightly in the breeze. The child's toy had been left to keep it open, subtle. Unfortunately, he had eidetic memory. Every record of every human child huddling under a bed as the air burned never got better, never went away. If he was human, he would have said that he was mad. He was grateful that he'd resigned from the human race before his started. Otherwise, justice would never have been done. He pushed open the door. In a chair beside the embers of a fire sat a huddled creature. It was wearing the remains of a uniform and seemed to be shivering. He looked at the door and seemed confused. Beacon realized he still wore full camo and silently dropped it. Inceptican senior armsman. Ah, you found me. Took you long enough. Uh, what happened? Stopped to kill a few random civilians on the way. I'm dying. Nothing you can do to me. An hour or two won't make a difference. 
Beacon pulled up a seat. Good. I'm not in a hurry. You are the last crewman alive, so I guess you get the medal. I could never find out why you were on the ship. You hid your records well. A Corvette, not exactly my first choice of target. He thought for a moment. Well, definitely not my second. The creature cackled. And that's where you were wrong. It coughed itself loudly and then resumed. I was responsible for small arms, small caliber, anti-personnel, anything like that. We shot your people like it was a festival. We took bets and I won. I grinned up at him, the ragged scale showing. I could always hit the small ones. It was easy when you worked out how they ran. And now you are here, full of revenge and your knife. I'm not frightened of your blade, human. My doctor says I'll die in a matter of hours, anyway. And I wanted to spit in your face. Beacon stayed silent for a moment and then spoke. You think you were the worst. You were nothing compared to some of those I killed. You are sad, hiding for your entire life under our bloody moon. I am here to collect the price for your sins. You know them better than I. I don't give forgiveness, and I am not here to dispute your evil. I'm here to kill you. My task is simple and inevitable. He reached into his belt and produced a very small blade. However, I can introduce you to new concepts of time and pain. To admit to me that you hunted my children, and you being the last target, I feel this will take a while, and you can tell me all about what you did. The screaming began. It lasted a lot longer than his doctor had estimated, and ended with him skinless and bleeding out. Beacon played the sound of the children that the creature had murdered as it died. Silver Wisp watched from orbit as the last murderer fell to Beacon. He shattered self would soon reunite and look to the future. However, one last task. Once the creature had died, he summoned Beacon, and they faced each other for the first and last time. He nodded and said nothing. Beacon smiled. Mine, I'll say it. End me. This is over. In the dark, orbiting a now lonely sun was a strange artifact. A thing of horror left to honor the ghosts of a destroyed world and the vengeance of man, silently spinning in a forgotten orbit. It was a crude sphere of faces and limbs frozen in time and left to forever stare blankly towards the sun, a wretched monument to murder as the guilty were left forever circling the smoldering remains of the crime for eternity. The shant human war was archived under the Quorum of War 188. End of story. The algorithm reckons you should be watching this video next, and I recommend that you should be always watching my video. So, click, click, click. With energy! And yes, clicking that does help the channel. Thank you very much. I would just like to give a quick thanks to the T5 channel members and patrons. Lithia, Parky, Feudic Yol, Meridian117, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Angry Marine, Lord Azrakal, and White Van 420